Back in 2014, police officer Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown in his neighborhood of Ferguson, Missouri. They say Wilson cursed and yelled at Michael Brown and his friend for walking in the street, started shooting out of this police SUV, and kept firing at Brown even after he put his hands up and then begged for his life. His death sparked massive protests, and the nation watched as Ferguson exploded with violence and outrage. Tensions had been rising in that neighborhood for years, and Governing Magazine reporter Mike Maciag learned that the problem had a policy-based cause. Ferguson at the time um, had fines and forfeitures accounting for 20% of its general fund, and that percentage had slowly climbed over recent years. Ferguson was over-policing its citizens to finance its operations. Mike wrote up the story, but the idea lingered in his mind. Ferguson couldn't be the only town addicted to fines. And so it made me wonder how common this issue was nationally. So earlier this year, I pitched my editors on doing a national project. He found nearly 600 local governments across the country were relying on fines, court fees, and forfeitures for more than a tenth of their budgets. On this week's episode, we'll learn how Mike exposed towns with excessive fines and fees and explore the consequences they pose for residents. I'm Kelly Knoyer, and you're listening to the IRE Radio Podcast. Ferguson, police were overfining their own residents, stirring up resentment against law enforcement. Mike found similar communities across the country, but he also found another trend in towns with high fines. You know, you can see that many of them are located along major interstates. Um, this is particularly the case along I-75 in Georgia, where story was focused. Um, places in Louisiana, Texas are very similar, where it's a lot of these major corridors where we find a lot of these places that are highly reliant on fines and fees. Local police in these towns set up speed traps and pull over hundreds of people passing through on the highway. And sure enough, when we would drive through them, you know, you would see a cop car clocking vehicles as they went by. Research has shown that police tend to favor locals when conducting traffic stops, and travelers are much less likely to hold town officials accountable. Locals who are ticketed often can't pay the fines because those areas are often dealing with poverty, Mike says. And there are other problems with all these traffic stops. Depending on fines and punitive fees to fund a budget is an approach that we think is likely unsustainable over the long term. One particularly big reason is going to be driver technology and the introduction of autonomous vehicles. Even something that's more limited, such as regulating speed based on GPS coordinates or posted signs, uh, that technology is already here. It just hasn't been rolled out to the point where it's really going to have any major financial effects. And in towns with big police departments and already tight budgets, losing that stream of revenue can be really unstabilizing. In places like Ferguson, where the locals are largely burdened by fines and fees, an over-reliance on fines causes other problems too, like widespread resentment of local government and law enforcement. Finding these 600 local governments with questionable budgets was complicated, but Mike knew just where to start, the Census of Governments. It's a federal database of every single state and local government in the United States, including its location, whether it's a city, county, or state, and some broad finance and employment data. He also pulled in census data to learn about local populations. And so we had not only the name of the government, where it's located, but you know, what's the total population, what's the median household income, the poverty rate, 
all these other factors that were used in later analysis. But the census of government's data was flawed. Experts told Mike that financial data for many of the local governments was misreported. He cross-checked numbers from the census with local budget documents when he could find them. Some states tracked numbers for all local governments, but others didn't. And some tiny jurisdictions didn't even have websites. So he turned to another national database called the Electronic Municipal Market Access Database, or EMMA. And so any local governments that had municipal bonds would general, generally file disclosures, and these are listed um, in this database. And so those can be pulled up. And so there were a lot of local governments that didn't have websites that I was able to find their financial statements using this database. He also looked at local governments with unusually large police departments, given their population. For that, he used another federal database, this one from the FBI. The FBI has an annual survey of local law enforcement agencies. And one of the questions they ask is how many law enforcement personnel and police officers are on staff. And so I use that to figure out which uh, local police departments had relatively large numbers of officers per capita. He also pulled information from every local government with speed and red light cameras and for those with local media reports about high fines and fees. And he got the latest budget or audit documents from every jurisdiction on his expansive list. But there were still a few hundred governments where he couldn't find any financial info anywhere online. So Mike sent hundreds of records requests to those towns and counties. The majority got back to him, but some did not. You know, there were a lot of places, particularly in Alabama, Kentucky, and Texas, that we were unable to get financial statements for. So I know our numbers are going to be underestimates. Using that budget information for each government was challenging. Budgets can look very different from city to city, and each state had different data available. The entire effort was a crazy process of triangulation. Mike knew he'd have to confirm his analysis with the experts who know budgets best. He reached out to think tanks, national policy finance experts, and state and local budget offices to understand his findings. Understanding the nuances across states involved making many calls with auditors' offices, comptroller's offices, CPAs, and others who are really able to assist in making sense of it all. And so I think for reporters, the key thing to do is to, you know, track down sources who really have a strong understanding of this financial information, how it's reported, and to really try to pick their brain to avoid any potential pitfalls. Once that was done, Mike was left with nearly 600 jurisdictions that had at least 10% of their general fund budgets coming from fines, court fees, and forfeitures. In at least 284 of them, the share exceeded 20%. Another 80 governments had more than half of their budgets coming from fines. Mike's work for Governing Magazine is very policy-oriented because the magazine's audience is primarily policy wonks. Um, Our readers are primarily state and local government uh, officials, so elected leaders, people working in state houses, lawmakers, people working in local budget offices, so, you know, a variety of, of folks focus on state and local government. That shaped how he approached the storytelling and writing portion of the story. It's focused on the financial intricacies of local government and doesn't shy away from the technical details. The way that we went about covering this would be different than, let's say, a local TV station, and um, that... You know, we really, again, wanted to focus on the public finance aspect of this. But these issues aren't just for policy reporters. 
local reporters with a general audience can focus on the human impact, particularly in terms of inequality. A lot of research suggests pretty consistently that fines have a far greater impact on low-income and disadvantaged communities, particularly African-Americans. And so it's something we also see in a lot of these places with high reliance on fines are um, not only rural areas, but they're also predominantly uh, black communities as well with typically very high poverty rates. Finding sources who can put a human face on the story recently became a lot easier thanks to a Supreme Court case called Tim's v. Indiana. That case involved police in Indiana trying to seize a drug dealer's Land Rover, a vehicle worth four times the fines levied against the defendant for his crimes. The Supreme Court found the seizure unconstitutional. The ruling created an opportunity for lawsuits against overzealous fines, fees, and forfeitures across the country. Mike says reporters looking for local cases should check out a nonprofit organization called Institute for Justice. If you're interested, if you go to the Institute for Justice website, they have a lot of really good documentation about, you know, just summaries of all the cases and where these are. That's how Mike found a lawsuit in Doraville, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta. The Institute is representing the plaintiffs in the case. I talked to a homeowner there who was fined, I think, several hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars for having cracks in her driveway. Another couple was fined $1,000 for having rubbish and improperly cut and stacked firewood in their backyard. So the lawsuit filed against the city alleges that the relatively large amount of money that was generated from these fines um, leads to a perverse incentive for police and the court to seek profits. Reporters interested in covering this issue in their own state can also contact Mike for local data. And he suggests starting small. Pay particularly attention to the smallest municipal governments. Um, those are ones that often receive very little scrutiny, and oftentimes if they don't post their annual financial statements online, you know, there could very well be a good reason for that. Some states, like Missouri, cap how much of a local budget can come from fines and fees. If your state has a cap, check and see if local governments are breaking it. But we found several local governments that actually had exceeded these state limits, and so Missouri was one where so they have set a cap of 20% of general operating revenues can come from minor traffic violations. And we found five local governments, mostly smaller, that had exceeded that. Understanding how budgets work can feel like a major undertaking, but talking to government officials can help contextualize all the little line items. Doing that due diligence is essential for accuracy and clarity. Um, some local governments uh, did not report separate line items for fines and fees on their audits, and so we had to discard those. We couldn't use those. You can also request a more detailed breakdown of line items to sort fines from other types of revenue. You know, it's just a matter of requesting, okay, you know, your financial statement says this, you know, provide a further breakdown of what those numbers are. And if your newsroom is looking for a reporter with a lot of policy expertise, reach out to someone from governing.com. The magazine recently shut down. Mike says his investigation into excessive fees and fines was his final story. The entire staff of governing, you know, not just me, but, you know, there's roughly a dozen reporters and editors who, uh, you know, were, are out of work now and looking for jobs. So, and so folks are looking for people with policy expertise in addition to sort of, you know, traditional reporting experience. You know, definitely take a look at us. Thanks for listening. Take a look at our episode notes for links to Mike Maciak's reporting and a breakdown of the methodologies he used in each state. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. 
and you can spend hours listening to these stories behind some of the best investigative reporting in the country at ire.org slash podcast. The IRE Radio Podcast is recorded in the studios of KBIA. Sarah Hutchins is our editor. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm Kelly Knoyer. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. You might want to do that over. Okay. Podcast. Podcast.